Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. Luke chapter 4, I want to read uh, from verse 18. And then as I said, I want to have a time of prayer. If you're sick in your body today, we are going to pray for you. Jesus said, if you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. They will get better. Will, not may, not possibly, will. And so we're going to pray for the sick. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in tongues, the infilling and indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, washing over you and filling you completely, we'll pray for you also. I want to pray for uh, people studying. We've got some university students who have just completed their degrees. Someone, we're going to go and get one if she's out there with kids. So I'm going to pray for some of these people. But before we do, listen, uh, Luke 4.18, you may know this passage, very well known. Jesus gets up in the synagogue and reads this uh, passage from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Everyone say anointed. Anointed me. Say that. To proclaim good news or to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He then said to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus at that moment is revealing himself and entering into the public ministry phase of his life on earth. He's been here at that point for about 30 years, but now he's launching in to the final three years and he's in partnership with his Father in heaven, but also with the Holy Spirit and with the anointing that the Holy Spirit brings. And that's why he says and quotes The Spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me to do what I have to do. And when you read just earlier on in that book, you'll find out that Jesus was baptized in water. And there the the Godhead is is revealed again, that there's Jesus being baptized in water, God the Father saying, this is my Son, a voice from heaven, I'm well pleased in him, and the Holy Spirit, it says, came down on him like a dove. And then the Holy Spirit's again present because it says he led Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit, which is interesting because we love the Holy Spirit leading us and blessing us and giving us tingles and nice things, but sometimes he might lead you into the wilderness, into a challenging time. And Jesus fasts for 40 days and he's tempted by the devil, but he overcomes the temptation. And then it says, just a couple of verses before what we read there, Um, it says he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And at that point, it says, news began to spread about him through all the regions. And so what I want you to notice here this morning is the anointing of the Holy Spirit was essential for Jesus to do what he had to do. He is the Son of God. But he was in partnership with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit to get his ministry going. Up until that point, he hadn't done any miracles. He 
uh, hadn't been preaching or teaching people about the kingdom of God. He didn't call any disciples to follow him. He, he wasn't even clearly and publicly recognized as the son of God. But the moment the Holy Spirit came and anointed him and empowered him and led him, then his ministry took off. Now, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. So how much more do we? Come on. I mean, those that walked after Jesus and worked with Jesus also needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, and we looked at this last week in Acts chapter 2. He said, well, he said it in Acts chapter 1. He said, uh, don't start the church until the Holy Spirit comes. And then in Acts chapter 2, you read, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's the day of Pentecost, and the church is birthed in the Holy Ghost. There, I'm getting very Pentecostal. Notice, see the difference there? I didn't say Holy Spirit. I didn't say Holy Spirit either. I said the Holy Ghost. Nearly said it with an American accent because all Pentecostals are American. It's not true. Uh, but there was a great revival that started in Azusa Street in 1904, and you can read your history books, and we've done a service on this one, showed a great video about it, and it did start in Los Angeles, that renewed, it didn't begin again after 2,000 years. The Holy Spirit's always been prevalent, always been moving. People have always been uh, you know, filled and baptized and moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there certainly was a resurgence and awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and and. Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled churches like ours today can see some relevance and connections with some of the things that were going on, uh, you know, 100 years ago in Azusa Street. And, of course, the Americans have got a lot of great charismatic Pentecostal preachers, and um, and a lot of them use the, the King James Bible that says Holy Ghost. And so that's where you get that Pentecostal kind of, you know, praise God, it's the Holy Ghost, and that kind of uh, talk. Um, and so... Uh, but long before the Americans came along, there were the early church apostles and they needed the Holy Spirit. And you read through the, the, the book of Acts, the work of the Holy Spirit, people being born again, sealed in Jesus with the Holy Spirit, but then also being baptized in the Holy Spirit being empowered by the Holy Spirit for great ministry with the Holy Spirit, to see miracles, to, he, to see people healed, to spread the word of God. And in fact, you know, the, the book of Acts is, is often called the, the Acts of the Apostles, but it could just as easily be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who's working with and through the people, the apostles and the early church to see the work of God done. And that's how it should be. 2,000 years later, God hasn't changed. The Holy Spirit hasn't changed. Unfortunately, sometimes ministry has changed and the Holy Spirit seems to be the forgotten third of the Trinity, the misunderstood and misrepresented part of God. And it's just, let's just put him in the too hard basket. People don't consciously do that, but that's sometimes what's happened. But we should have Holy Spirit anointed, led, and empowered ministry. Amen? Because we are in the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the church. It's not two eras. It wasn't 100 years or 50 years where the Holy Spirit came and gave a bit of a kickstart, you know, like a primer in your engine or a little bit of fire on the, you know, like crazy kids that throw petrol on, you know, bonfires or something like that and then and then what and then he what went to heaven or diluted himself or backed off or and then now we just go with just teaching the word and being good people 
No, no, the Holy Spirit has always been on earth, always been empowering the church, always wanting to fill and strengthen and empower people for the work of ministry, for the work of God. And, um, you know, as I said, sometimes he's misunderstood or forgotten because God the Father, we understand. You know, we... We have earthly fathers and we, we think of God the Father. And if you've become a father, you have this amazing revelation. Wow, God, you're a, you're, you're a perfect father and you want to be a good father and you love your kids and then you think, wow, God, you're the father and you sent your only son and we become children of God. So we understand family and, and so that's kind of not that hard for us to get our brain and our heart around. And then Jesus, of course, we've got four great books that talk all about his life and ministry and teaching and, and how he died on the cross. And we see images and movies and, and songs and stories and all, you know, about Jesus. We hear a lot about that. And then, and then there's the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, there's, and as I said, a lot of people, we, people have struggled to figure him out. And the fact that it's the Holy Spirit sounds like, what is that, like Star Wars, the Force, some kind of just spiritual entity that is an impersonal, but we know he's a person. He's a part of the person and personhood of God. And so we need to know about him. And we and people know that, oh, well, doctrinally and technically, I know that he's present in my life. Ephesians 1.13 says that if you believe in Jesus, you are sealed in God with the promised Holy Spirit. So he's present at salvation. But again, people... I think sometimes find, well, okay, I guess I know that he's somewhere there in my life and he must live within me. He's called the Spirit of Christ. He is, he is in me. And that's true, every believer. But there's definitely an experience subsequent to salvation that you read about through the book of Acts. We're not going to look in detail at any of those passages today. But people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit, who were given gifts in the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues is just one of them, but often accompanying that uh, initial baptism that initial empowering and for myself i was a christian for about five six years five years i think five years um uh without knowing about this uh and then i remember hearing about this new church that had started near where we lived down in sydney uh and some people were talking in excited terms about it some people were talking in very concerned terms about it oh don't go to that that fruit tingle character oh no, no, no. and uh, this is Pastor Phil Pringle and of course I went down there and I walked in and I thought no no this is God you know you get a you get a sense in your spirit I've had people say to me we walked in here and we knew this was home you know you just this is God you look at that person you go that's the one you know or you have a and it's true you have a a gut feeling is a rough term but but it's 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 a true witness in your spirit and uh, and I knew, and uh, you know that this is not weird. This is not wrong. This is fresh. This is of God. And it was very contemporary. And they had uh, you know modern sort of sounding songs and all that. But more than that, it was the spirit that was there. The Holy Spirit was there. And that very night, the first time I went, uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Spoke in this weird. Yabba dabba do language, thought, what is going on? But I remember saying to myself, don't ever doubt God again. He's right here. God, I just felt the Holy Spirit on me and in me. And I met a lot of people around that time who were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Some kind of, oh, yeah, you know, and it sort of grew into it. Others 
just amazing experiences. Couldn't get off the floor three days, talking in tongues, just going off. And just, I know one woman who was very concerned, very iffy from a very intellectual background, thought, oh, it just doesn't make sense. You know, if, we, if it doesn't make sense, can it be of God? Well, just read the Bible. You see all sorts of stuff that doesn't seem to make sense. God doesn't sit into our boxes very well, you know. But she wanted him in his box, in her box, and she was like, oh, I don't know. And she had people that were telling, oh, yeah, it's, you know, this is quite a thing. This was the charismatic renewal time of the late 70s, early 80s. A lot of awareness of this and a few dividing lines. Some people a little bit, oh, I don't know if it's quite of God and all that. And this woman, she said uh, she was very... Um, Sweethearted lady, hungry for God, but very concerned about all this silly, happy, clappy business, you know. And she went to bed and she woke up in the middle of the night and she heard someone speaking in tongues. And that freaked her out because she lived alone and she realizes that it was her. Baptized in the Holy Ghost without her knowing while she's sleeping. And she's there. Oh, what is going on? You know, and so she ended up being just, uh, you know, happy and uh, and probably uh, disturbed at the same time. You know, because God does that, rattles our cages. You know, so um, as I said, sometimes you know we need to get a hold of that. We need to run with that. And um, and if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be this morning. Uh, others of us, uh, you know, we know if you study the New Testament that the word for being baptized or being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a continuous tense verb. And so it's an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-off. Oh, I got that, ticked that box, been there, done that, you know, got my ticket to heaven, got the gift of tongues, whatever, you know. No, no, we need to keep walking with him. We need to keep being empowered by him. We need to keep being anointed for ministry through the Holy Spirit. And... Um, and, you know, recently we've been talking about uh, the Old Testament. You know, we did a whole series, does anyone remember? Has anyone been, you know, we did a whole bunch of studies of different characters in the Old Testament. And there's some wonderful people who did some great things for God, but there's some big differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of them is the way the Holy Spirit moved. We know the Holy Spirit was alive and real and from the moment of creation it says he hovers over the waters you know and at times he would come upon people for a particular ministry you know but he didn't live in them and he didn't empower them the way he does in the new testament that changes when jesus comes and that's why we have an old testament or a new and a new testament and the word testament can be translated covenant and so in the King James Bible, you'll often see the word translated testament. In some more modern translations, they'll take it covenant. In fact, listen to this verse, Two, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, God has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, that word, as I said, that, it says that he's made us competent ministers of a new covenant. King James will tell you he's made us ministers of the New Testament. So we are living in New Testament times. Don't live like you're in the Old Testament because it says there the letter kills. That's the letter of the law. That's the Old Testament law. And when you compare the Old Testament to the New Testament, you'll see that you know the Old Testament, they had laws that they had to live by and it just kills you because you can't do it people would fail and there's no life in that and even if you kind of half get it done you're going to live a tight rigid controlled religious kind of experience 
And that is not the life of God. And so all the Old Testament cries out for the coming of Jesus to set people free. Sin that was only just covered over temporarily by animal sacrifices was once and for all dealt with with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit could come and not just empower a Samson to kill the bad guys or a, a David to write a song of worship occasionally or the different things you see in the Old Testament, but to live in people, to empower people. And with him come all the gifts that we read about in the New Testament. And so he brings us life and not death. You know, yeah, you should be able to tap into that. You know, some, some people, some of us are naturally happy. You know, some people are, I've never seen it, but Haddon at paintball got angry. And some of the blokes that were there love, love to talk about it because it's the only time that he really got angry. You know, but generally, he's a happy kind of guy. I'd like to see Genevieve throw plates in a fit of rage around the house, but I'm guessing she just doesn't. I think she probably just goes, oh, Dan. I've been doing the washing up for four years now. You know, do you think you might? Oh, Dan, you know, I'm not sure if he's a slack around the house or, you know, but some terrible stress or crisis in Jen's life, she probably just goes, oh, well, oh, but I'll pray and I'll be okay. You know, yeah. so some people are naturally buoyant, kind of happy people. And then there's the rest of us. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need the life of God. And listen, you've got a very clear scriptural parallel on how the Old Testament brought death and the New Testament brings life, how the letter of the law brought death and the Holy Spirit brings life. Get this, when the law was given, Moses received the commandments from God and brought them to the people. But on that day, the people were sinning and God had 3,000 of them killed. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, 3,000 people were born again. That's not just a coincidence, those numbers. That's a wonderful parallel and type and representation of how the letter of the law works and brings death and the Spirit of God moves and brings life. And people were given brand new life. 3,000 people killed, 3,000 people saved, born again, given the life of God. And so I think that's a wonderful picture. And... Um, and yet some New Testament believers live like they're in the Old Testament and they're killing off the life of the New Testament, the life of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're bound up, they're reserved and rigid and they're, they're lacking the, the life of the, the Holy Spirit. They're missing out on the privilege of the indwelling and the empowering and, and, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, it says there, was anointed for preaching. He said, I am being anointed. The Spirit of God is upon me. I'm anointed to preach the gospel, to set people free, to bring recovery, to bring healing. And now, of course, as his ministers, his representatives on earth, we have that same mission. We carry the gospel, and so we need the anointing to empower us because, again, some of us may be natural evangelists who just can't help but win people to Christ and are always talking. I mean, I've now, I knew a guy, he, he got someone saved as a dare, as a bet. I went to Bible college with this guy. He was a natural evangelist. And, Zach, you talk about surfing embarrassing stories. This guy was in the top 20 of surfers in the world. 
and he decided to teach me how to surf and woke me up one morning with a surfboard, a very little one that he could do all the fancy stuff with, but I found is not so supportive and buoyant if you don't know what you're doing. And he dragged me down to the beach and all the kids on the beach knew him. He's in the magazines. And they're like, oh, here he all are. And they're watching us. And I'm carrying the, you know, $50,000 surfboard or whatever that he's got. And they're all looking at me as if I'm also a cool surfer. So there's this crowd on the beach. I kid you not. And out we go. And I'm like you, paddling. I couldn't even get out. The point of the bumps, slipping off this way, fine. And the kids are like, what is going on with this bloke? And my mate's doing 360s and cartwheels and all the stuff. These kids are like, that's sad. Look at that guy, you know. And it was so embarrassing. But this same guy was such an evangelist. He would get someone saved. He could say, I'll witness. You know, we played squash, got a squash court. He said, hey, we got another 10 minutes. This guy needs the Lord. All right, okay. You know, he just led the guy to the Lord. Walking down Manly Corso, he said, oh, we can lead people to the Lord. Just like, you know, you pick someone. I went, all right, look at these two girls coming here. Bam, fine. 15 minutes later, leading him in the prayer of salvation. He could have killed him, you know. But So, uh, you know, some people are gifted that way. But for us all, we've got to do the work of the ministry so that we desperately need the anointing that helps us do it. And that's all the anointing is. The anointing means the Holy Spirit helps you to do something. It's an enabling ability from God. And he may bring something that is... Uh, supernaturally new in your life and you read about gifts of the Holy Spirit so he enables you to do something you would never have done before and there's gifts you know we read about the tongues as I mentioned and prophecy that encourage people words of knowledge and wisdom to give people guidance and words of power you know gifts of, of the power gifts healing and miracles to shake the devil and get people set free uh, but he'll also anoint things that are already in your life that need tweaking and channeling and so you read the Romans passage and you've got gifts of teaching or generosity and mercy and service gifts that are kind of natural in the way that we're wired but he comes and anoints us or helps us to channel them and use them correctly that brings blessing to people and blessing to God and you know what if you're not anointed you can have a gift and you won't use it for God you won't use it for other people. And, and get this, what's worse is you'll get critical of other people who don't have your gift. And I've seen this. I've said, why, aren't, why isn't everyone doing what I am? Well, I, maybe they're not even doing it. Maybe they should be doing it. But they, they're, out, they're out of the anointing. They're not flying. They're not accepting that that person's not gifted to do what they're doing. Have you ever had that feeling like, it's not that hard. Why doesn't somebody else do it? Because you're gifted for it and they're not. And so in the body of Christ, you've got to accept the fact that, well, maybe not everybody is wired and gifted the way you are. And when we're anointed, it's oil. It means that we work together. And we don't get all, you know, finicky about why someone else isn't doing what we're doing or why they should do that better or why didn't they make this decision. Or the, It's like, ah, oh, we're just working together. And, um, and let me say this. I, I, I'm getting off my notes I'm getting way off my notes. Can I just read my notes and see where I am? Um, uh, you know, there's there, there's um, there's this expression. You know, people talk about I'm being worn out, I'm burned out from ministry. I'm not. I'm not going. I really want you to hear. Get my heart here. I'm not boasting, right? I got saved at 15. I, I got into some form of serving God and ministry within weeks because I had a brilliant 
Christian school teacher who had this great youth ministry and so I was just thrown in the deep end organizing things and being involved in youth leadership and and then for the next 15 years I was serving God in a part-time capacity like many of us here today in you know running youth camps and song leading and teaching little groups and running connect groups and kids groups and all sorts of stuff and then for the last uh, and then for 15 years beyond from that point on more than 15 years now I've been in full-time ministry and I've never burned out and I don't intend to burn out and I don't believe you need to burn out as I said I want you to hear my heart I'm not boasting it's not me it's the anointing it's the Holy Spirit it's not that hard it's not rocket science when someone says they're burning out the answer is not to walk away from God or ministry or church or commitments or relationships the answer is just to walk towards God and get fresh oil and get fresh fire and get stirred up again and get and and have a good night's sleep and maybe a holiday and a nice big drink of lemonade or whatever you need to do to just you know truly just figure out you know watch your favorite movie or you know sit in front of the supercars all weekend or see i got dan's attention then didn't i you know whatever works for you go for a run on the beach you know don't run on the beach lie on the beach whatever you want to do at the beach don't go to the beach i hate the sun sand whatever don't go to the beach then go to the forest do whatever you need to do and just you know refresh replenish and not necessarily and not and not ever just walk away from serving God. I mean, that's just crazy because we're called servants of God. We're all called ministry. Do you want to get to heaven? Good. When you get to heaven, do you want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant? Yes. I First of all, I want to get to heaven. Secondly, I don't want to get to heaven and just say, oh, all right, in you go. You know, thank God for me. You know, thank God for my blood and grace. Not we're very well done, not very faithful, not very good person who wasn't a servant. But that, that is scripture, you know, you, you, your choice. There's treasures, there's rewards in heaven. And there's also that wonderful sense of I'm doing something here and now in my life that isn't just about me, you know. I'm, and, and so we need the anointing to stay fresh because it's oil. The Holy Spirit's anointing is just like oil and engineering people non-engineering people hopefully have some understanding that an engine needs oil. You've got all these parts and then, you know, your car, you've got the thing, oil. Come on, everyone, little yellow stick. At least some, surely you've opened the bonnet sometimes and put something in the yellow area. Water or oil, there's two. The yellow one, there's two yellow ones. Don't get them mixed up because one just needs water, right? Windscreen washers, very important. We understand that. But the engine needs oil. There's another yellow one there. And I don't want to confuse you, but there's one that's called the dipstick that will tell you how much oil you've got. If it's getting low, all right, forget the dipstick. Just wait till the red light goes. Your car's about to blow up. Then take notice and put oil in the yellow hole and it will put oil in the engine. If you don't, the parts have friction. They grate and the engine seizes. It stops working. And that is what happens when people aren't anointed. There's friction. They come to church and they're like, oh, oh, that person looked at me the wrong way. Why didn't you say that? You chose that wrong person. I should be doing that. It's like, oh, flip. You know, they're they're just tense and they're in friction. And then they'll seize up, right? I need to take a break. Oh, I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone say that. You know, I love what David Cartledge used to say. I hate Kit Kat Christians. Because there were these ads that said, take a break, have a Kit Kat. He said, I don't want to ever hear someone else say, 
Take a break. I need a break. A Kit Kat Christian. He's a great man of God. Hadn't loved him so much. He used to ask him to come and preach for us. And I'd say, I'll try and get him. But then hadn't forgot that David Cartledge had gone home to be with the Lord. So every time we had a planning meeting for about three years, hadn't it say, can we get David Cartledge? We'd all look at each other and we'd go, hadn't. Oh, I forgot. I just, oh, you know, he was really ticked off that David Cartledge had passed away. But... Um, but it's true, we don't need more Kit Kat Christians who say, I need to take a break, you know. Don't take a break from God. Don't take a break from doing what he's called you to do. Do as you're told, you know. Suck it up, be, you know. Be a big kid. God says do something, do it. Jesus said, don't worry, I don't worry. It's like, but I'm worried, I'm worried about worry. Well, don't do as you're told, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to be too harsh here. I'm just trying to be scriptural. It's true. You know, Jesus doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do. Don't say to God, God, you don't understand. In every way, he was tempted yet without sin. Jesus knows what you're going through. You can't say to God who made you, God, you don't understand. You know, and so he does understand. And if you feel like, oh, and so, and of course, as I said, stay refreshed and take a, you know, an opportunity to, to, to be physically refreshed, but more importantly, be spiritually refreshed, anointed, oiled up, lubricated in your spirit with all the bits working together. And that's, that's what he's here for. He wants to make us, you know, strong and smooth, if you like, supple, able to keep flowing and moving and walking with him. hope you have enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about this free podcast so they too can grow and learn to live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at www.c3cc.org.au. God bless you.